Well, that was lovely. Thank you. Can you all hear me? Okay. Sound guy? Can, oh, that's me. Okay, no problem. So, I, you know, I have preached once before at Junction 10. I think there was about four people. It was a Sunday evening in the other building we were in. Um, I think I did about 45 minutes. There was 30 slides. I played a song on the ukulele, and there was a meditative story. So, I shan't be doing that today. Don't worry. Um, yes, you'll be very pleased to know there'll be no ukulele playing today. Okay. <laughs> or maybe, no, 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 there won't be. So the Bible is an amazing book. Do you agree? The Bible is an amazing book. It's got everything from grand theology to stories about God working in the lives of everyday people to help us appreciate what he's done for us. Now, the parables, they're very special, aren't they? Because they break through all of that stuff, all of those challenging things, and they ask us, is God really making a difference in our lives? And Jesus used them a lot to cut out all of the rubbish and give a head, sorry, rubbish. I'm, I'm from the north, and occasionally I slip into the north. You have to forgive me. Um, or he cuts out all of the rubbish and gives a heavy dose of reality about what it means to be life as a believer. So today we're going to be looking at probably one of the most famous parables and one of the most challenging of Jesus' parables, and that is, any idea which it might be? No? The Good Samaritan. Ah, oh, we own that one, don't we? Yes, we know that one. Now, before, now we need to read the story, so I need six helpers now. So, uh, Paul, can you come up, please? So, I need a helper... Um, I need someone to be the expert in the law, and Paul looks to me like an expert in the law. Okay, so we need, a, <laughs> we need the traveler, we need the man. So I think, Matt, I think you can help me with that. Thank you, Matt. Uh, we need the robber. Um, Kayla, can you come and be our robber, please? Thank you. Thank you. That's the thing when you're up front, you always get your children involved. That's the idea. Uh, we need a priest, someone who looks priestly. Maybe a bit snooty, you know, who can I think? Who can, uh... Kevin, can you come and join us? <laughs> Brilliant, thank you, Kevin. We need Levite. So, uh, I've no idea what they look like, so uh, come on, Tony, you can be our Levite. And we need a Samaritan, so let me see. Who can be ours? Gemma. Where's Gemma gone? Oh, she's gone. There she is. Come on, Gemma. So, the worship team... Now, I need some props. Is that okay? I'm just going to grab a couple. Just talk amongst yourselves. Please talk amongst yourselves. You didn't talk amongst yourselves, did you? Never mind. Right, so <laughs> we, we need to know who is who, so here we go. So let's have a look. You can be the expert in the world. <laughs> Uh, 
sorry, Tony. Oh, actually. You can have the hat. I bet this sounds great on the recording, doesn't it? Okay. So we've got the expert in the law. We've got the... Uh, oh, I'm out of breath now. We've got the, uh, <laughs> the man who was uh, robbed. We've got the robber, the priest, the Levite, and the Samaritan. Right, now. Paul, if you could come and sit on the chair for me, please. Yep, right, so you've got some words, Paul. Now, the Good Samaritan is in Luke chapter 10, verse 25 to 37. Okay, I'm still out of breath. Okay, now follow, just basically follow my lead, okay? I'll point at you when you need to do things. So, on one occasion, an expert of the law stood up. (laughs) Stood up. Oh, yeah, sorry. Yeah, yeah. yeah. (laughs) And he said, Teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? What is written in the law? He replied. And how do you read it? And he answered, Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength and with all your mind and love your neighbor as yourself. You have answered correctly, Jesus replied. Do this and you will live. But he wanted to justify himself. So he asked Jesus, And who is my neighbor? And in reply, Jesus said, Matt, a man was walking down the road from Jericho to Jerusalem when he was attacked by a robber. Kayla, attack Matt. (laughs) Right? He gets attacked. <laughs> okay, I've given you a weapon. So attack Matt. So Matt, don't move. Okay. Whoa, whoa, whoa. <laughs> now, they stripped him of his clothes. Let's not, let, I tell you, let's not do that bit. Let's not. Oh, he's got, <laughs> They beat him. <laughs> um, where are we are? And went away, leaving him half dead. So you can go and sit down. Okay, thank you. Yeah. So too, oh, a priest, Kevin, happened to, be walk, happened to be going down the same road when he saw the man, but he passed by on t'other side. So too, a Levite, when he came to the place and saw him, he passed by on the other side. But a Samaritan with a nice hat. As she was traveling, came where the man was. And when she, she, he, short, he or she saw him, he or she took pity on him. He or she, um, no, I'm going to say he. He went to him and bandaged his wounds. Very good. Yeah, you're a nurse, so you can know what you're doing. Poured, poured on oil and wine, which is what they do at the manor. And then put the man... <laughs> Put the man on his own donkey and brought him to an inn and cared for him. Thank you very much, Matt. You can go and sit down. Thank you. So, Gemma, if you want to come over here.
The next day, he took out two denarii and gave them to the innkeeper. Look after him, he said. And when I return, I will reimburse you for any extra expense you may have. Thank you very much. You can go and sit down as well. Which of these three do you think was a neighbor to them? I didn't tell you to sit down. Okay. Which of these three... I've lost my place now. Do you think was a neighbor to the man who fell into the hands of the robbers? And the expert of the law replied, There's nothing written. Oh, sorry. The one who showed mercy on him. Jesus told him, Go and do likewise. Okay, let's have a round of applause for our helpers. Thank you, Paul. Marvellous, thank you. So, this is a very familiar story, and one which you probably could have remembered most of the points without actually reading it. On the face of it, the story of the Good Samaritan, in what we call, in theological terms, is dead easy. Okay, if you got that, that's complex theology there. It's dead easy. Who is my neighbor, is the question. The Samaritan acted like the neighbor should, and we should go and do the same. Okay? We got that? Okay, watch this short clip, please, Joe. An event seen from one point of view gives one impression. Seen from another point of view, it gives quite a different impression. But it's only when you get the whole picture you can fully understand what's going on. Gasps from a Guardian advert from 1986. That's why I come to church. <laughs> Brilliant. So, the, so today's talk is called The Good Samaritan, hashtag, hashtag, colon, hashtag, colon, Jericho Tales. Okay? Now, you all studied Chaucer at school, right? Yeah, Phil, do they teach Chaucer at uh, Grace Academy? No. Well, I'm shocked. Anyway, <laughs> I studied Chaucer at my school, and well, when I studied, when I say I studied, I heard about him, and uh, and Chaucer made a very famous story. Anyone know what it was called? The Canterbury Tales, right? And that is the story of a single journey. Um, with lots of individual stories in it. And that's exactly what we're going to look at today. We're going to look at the Jericho tales because this was a journey from Jerusalem to Jericho. And we're going to look at it from four different perspectives. Now, to begin with, we're going to look at the lawyer's tale. Are you ready for this? Good, thank you. Quick question. From our amazingly acted rendition of that story, how many stories did we hear just then? Shout out. Mons. Three. It's a good try, Mons. Not quite right. It's good, but it's not right. We actually heard two. There are two stories here. The first is about the lawyer who asks the question that results in the second story which is the parable. The first is about salvation, and the second is about pleasing God. Okay? So we're going to dig into this first story, which is the lawyer's tale. 
Okay, so skipping over the fact that the lawyer is actually trying to trip Jesus up, he began by asking a really important question, how can I inherit eternal life? Now, I don't know about you, but as a follower of Jesus, at some point in your your life, most of us will probably have asked the same question. I know what I I did when I was 17 years old, and I was struggling and you know, I think when, you, when you're a kid, when you're a teenager, life is tough. Um, I, I saw a program the other day uh, that said apparently when you, between the ages of 44 and 64, that's when life gets easier. <laughs> so I'm nearly there. <laughs> All right, okay. <laughs> but when you're 17, life, life is tough. And... and you know, you, sometimes you can get that when you admit things aren't going right. I'm struggling, to, I'm struggling to make sense of life. And there is a gulf between me and the one who created me. So this is a question that the lawyer asks. How do I inherit eternal life? Now, how does Jesus answer it? He doesn't say, what do you think? He doesn't say... What do the other rabbis say? He actually says, okay, let's go back to Scripture. What does Scripture say? And the lawyer goes, retrieves in the back of his mind the Scripture passages, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, strength, love your neighbor as yourself. And he actually gets it spot on, doesn't he? In fact, Jesus said the very same thing in Matthew 22, verse 37. So Jesus says, great, fab. Go and do likewise. But the lawyer's tale doesn't quite finish there. He asks, what do I do to inherit eternal life? He gives the right answer, but what's his follow-up question? Now, I reckon when I think about it, he could have gone two ways. Okay, so I want you to close your eyes for a moment and picture the scene the lawyer there in front of Jesus. He's just said all those things about what the expectation is. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and your as yourself. And can you imagine the lawyer thinking, all my heart, all my soul, all my mind, and all my strength? How the heck can I do that when I barely have the strength to get out of bed in the morning? How can I use all my strength to love God when most of the time I feel threatened when a new rabbi comes on the scene or when a new lawyer turns up? I'm scared by this Roman occupation we're in. Everywhere I turn, there's unrest and panic. I really try hard to obey these commands, but there's no way that I can do all of that. In fact, I don't think anyone can. So what do I do now? So that's one way the lawyer could have followed up that question. But he didn't do that, did he? You see, I think if if he had done that and followed that route, Jesus could have taken him aside and said, okay, that is hard, but I've got some good news for you. We've got one true God, our Abba Father, our Daddy, who loves you dearly and deeply. He wants to forgive you, and he wants to bless you. 
that could have been one way it went, but the story didn't go that way. Rather than face up to maybe what he was feeling or his shortcomings, he deflects a question about loving God, and he raises a quibble about who his neighbor is. What he's doing is he's moving away from a question of the heart, and he's opening it up to a question for petty debate. A bit like the woman at the well, if you know that one in John 4, whose sinful life Jesus hangs out to dry completely. She's trying to get into some debate about where you can worship, and he just sees right through it. Okay, so with a lawyer, we've just asked a question. Jesus has given us the answer. I've got it, I've got it right. Okay, he's, you know, he's asked me what, what, what the law says. I've told him. I've followed it up with an easy question so I don't get too deep into this. Jesus then tells a parable. So what do you think the lawyer thought of the parable? So who do we, who do we find who helps the man who's injured? It's the, the Samaritan, right. Not the priest or Levite, but the Samaritan. Now, this would have absolutely blown the lawyer's mind, right? It would have absolutely knocked him for six, right? He was expecting a nice, easy debate about whether the neighbor was John next door, Frank the Butcher, Bill the Baker. He wasn't expecting the neighbor to be somebody who was of a different race, a different religion, and a sworn enemy. Now, one more question on this for the lawyer. Did Jesus answer the lawyer's question? The lawyer asked, well, who is my neighbor? Who should be the object of my care? Who should be the object of my love? But Jesus, if you read it, he actually switches it around. And he actually answers with the question, do you act like a neighbor to the person who needs help? Are you somebody who acts like a good neighbor to somebody who needs help? So what can we draw from that? The first thing we can draw from the lawyer's tale, be honest. God wants you to be honest. Ask the tough questions. Be open. Be honest about yourself. Don't try and cloud it in philosophical questions. Don't try and divert yourself from the paths. Ask the tough questions. And recognize that you can't do this journey on your own. Okay? And the second thing is, maybe instead of asking who should I love? So maybe instead of asking, is that the person I should love? Is that the person I should love? Is that the person I should love? Maybe ask yourself, do I love? Am I a person who loves? Because if you are a person who loves, then if someone in need comes along, you're going to respond with love. Does that make sense? Are you following me? Fab. Uh, okay, moving on. <laughs> Time is marching on. Story two, they're not quite as long, these stories. Story two is the tale of the passers-by. Right, so there are lots of theories about the priests and the Levites. Now, maybe the priests and the Levite didn't help because, 
you know, the Samaritan was officially unclean, it would have made them unclean. That's kind of a, the general idea, isn't it? Um, maybe the Levite went on the other side of the road because the Samaritan was politically and ideologically different. Either way, they passed by on the other side of the road. Now, in Corinthians 13, Paul describes love as not self-seeking. However, when we look at the priests and the, Le- the priest and the Levite, what they were doing, they were actually holding to a legal view of Scripture, and they couldn't see the heart behind it. So, can you imagine? Imagine, right? Okay, just picture in your head. There's a little verse in Exodus, right? Okay, it's it's been. Moses has got it from the tablets, he's written it in, scribbled it in, and it says, If thou seest a man lying half dead on the roadside, thou shalt not pass him by unheeded. Okay, so imagine that's there in the Bible. Now I reckon the priest and the Levite would then have helped that guy. Do you think? Because they, they probably would have done the minimum to help, and they probably would have gone, well, actually, what does that mean by help? Does that mean that we give a mite, or does it give five seconds? of? You know, They would have interpreted the, that, but they would have done something. However, that isn't in the letter of the law, because it contradicts some of the other things that they follow. What they're doing is limiting the law. They're limiting the scope. They're limiting the meaning. Now, I play music. Anyone else play music in here? Nobody, nobody else play music in here? Joe, I know you do, Joe. Yeah. Actually, I'm recruiting for the worship team as well. So, <laughs> Okay. Now, music is a good example of something that there are rules. Okay, music has rules. They have scales. They have harmony, tone. But most of the great musicians and composers and songwriters from Bach to the Beatles, from Mahler to Motorhead, right, they don't just stick to the rules. Okay? They interpret, they reimagine, and they create. But it is still music, but it's made better for it. Okay? So, in The Lawyer's Tale and in This Passers-By Tale, we see clever people limiting their understanding of who their neighbor is. Loving a Samaritan as you would yourself will be seen as ridiculous and impossible to achieve, according to their interpretation. So my question to you from that bit, do you think you or I, do we interpret the Bible to soften the hard edges? Do we create limits to what God is commanding us in the Bible? Do we play a D7th instead of a D-sharp diminished? That's a musical term, by the way, if you're wondering. Do we have a list of those people who are worthy of our love and those who aren't? Actually, I think there was one in the Daily Mail the other day. I don't know. They're often in there, aren't they? In this parable, Jesus is challenging us by saying, anyone suffering whom we have the capability to help has a claim on our love. And that's tough, isn't it? Isn't it? That's tough. 
Okay, moving on. You still with me? Fab. Story three, The Samaritan's Tale. Right. So we've heard about the lawyer who thought he could deflect Jesus with a cozy debate. We've heard about the passers-by who couldn't get past the letter of the law. Now it's time to hear about the hero, the Samaritan. Now I was going to play a bit of, I need a hero, a bit of music, but I'm not going to do that. So don't worry about that. In fact, it's a, no, there isn't a ukulele, so we're okay. Now, I'm sure you've worked out by now that Samaritans aren't, weren't liked. Have you, have you got that point? Okay. So I'm going to give you a little tiny bit of biblical history. So strap yourself in. 750 years before Jesus told this parable, the Assyrians conquered northern Israel, where Samaria was located. Most Jews were deported to live elsewhere, but some stayed hidden in caves or escaped deportation somehow. They intermarried with Assyrians, creating half-Jews, half-Samarians, that became these Samaritans. Now, this angered... Um, so, uh, sorry, just... Yeah. Now, the Jews were not happy about this, and they saw this as a, an unforgivable thing. So when the Jews returned to Jerusalem to build their temple, the Samaritans offered to help, but the Jews refused. This angered the Samaritans, who then built their own rival temple for their own religion. So the Samaritans, you can gather, are hated. Right? They're so hated, in fact, that when the lawyer in the story, um, when Jesus asks, who is it who, showed, who um, was a neighbor, the lawyer couldn't even say their name. He couldn't say Samaritan. He said, the one who showed mercy. So I think what we're getting from here is that when using the Samaritan as an example, Jesus is showing that love is big. It's even bigger than race or hatred or envy or all of those things. We are all created in God's image. And we are all worthy of love. So let's think about what the Samaritan did. If we think about his actions, he sacrificed time and he sacrificed money. He interrupted his journey, took the man to an inn and cared for him overnight. Next day, he paid the innkeeper to look after him. Now, sacrificing time and money to help a, a stranger or an enemy who's in need is not easy, is it? There's a psychological term called compassionate disengagement, the tendency to avoid someone in trouble. Now, I know there are times in your life when someone is in trouble and we may give money, and there's, time in, there's times when there are people in trouble and we give time because we can't afford to give them money. And believe me, help is good. And also, don't think I'm telling you not to give to the building fund because that would also be wrong and I'll get into trouble. However, and this is a tough bit, Jesus is challenging us by saying that a true follower gives whatever is needed at personal cost. Doing things alone doesn't make us a disciple, but their absence 
challenges whether we are his disciple. I'll say that again. Doing these acts alone doesn't make us one of his disciples. But not doing them challenges whether we are his disciples. And that's a tough message, isn't it? Right, we're nearly at the end. One more bit. Thank you for listening. We're now on to the traveler's tale. Now let's go back to the start of the story. What was the first question raised by the lawyer? What shall I do to inherit eternal life? Well, he was kind of asking, what is the minimum I need to do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus' answer is, <laughs> paraphrasing slightly, I'm sorry, mate, minimum doesn't cut it. The one who always loves God and always loves his fellow humans, regardless of who they are, will inherit eternal life. But the problem is, I don't know about you, but I fall short of that standard, however hard I might try. But we have some good news. Jesus Christ lived this complete life on earth. He loved perfectly his heavenly dad and his fellow men and women. Even though he was entirely innocent, he endured death on the cross. So that by believing and trusting in him, our sins, those times when we walk on the other side of the road, can be forgiven. And we can walk this eternal journey with him. So who is the traveler, the victim in the story? We are. You and me. Jesus is the hero. He's a Samaritan. He rescued us from the roadside. And day in and day out, he continues to rescue us. He cares for us and he tends our wounds. He paid the ultimate price for us on the cross so that we too could be saved. He is the hero of the story. But he also showed us that we need to follow in his footsteps and be Samaritans in training. Are you ready to follow him? Are you ready to be Samaritans in training? Let's pray, shall we? Heavenly Father, we thank you that from the familiar sometimes we can find something new or we can find a prompting that, uh, that you are the hero. You have showed us the way. And we thank you for that, Lord, and we thank you for your sacrifice. Lord, help challenge us in those moments when we can be you in those situations that we find ourselves in that we can show love to those who need it, and that we can continually love you as you deserve. We thank you for today, Lord, and bless us in our, in our time. Amen. Amen.